We interrupt this broadcast with some important news. Let's rewind and check out the biggest news stories from this week. It's time, it's time. for Taiwan This Week. Good evening and welcome to Taiwan This Week with me, your host, Gavin Phipps. And I'm joined in the studio this evening by Chris Horton of the New York Times. Hi, Gavin. And ICRT contributor, Dimitri Burias. Hi, good evening. And tonight we'll be discussing a statue in Tainan dedicated to the memory of comfort women, Jingmen's lofty plans to further ties with China, additional funding to subsidise electric scooter purchases, a controversial Qualcomm settlement, and the Asian Games. And we'll begin, well, we'll begin with President Tsai Ing-wen, who, well, she popped off to Paraguay and Belize this week. And, well, while she might have had a nice time in both countries... What she did there failed to make news in Taiwan because the newspapers and the cable TV media were instead more transfixed with her transiting in Los Angeles and also a visit to a branch of a Taiwan-owned coffee cafe chain there. Now, it was the first stopover by a Taiwan head of state since the signing of the Taiwan Travel Act earlier this year. And, of course, that act seeks to promote more visits to the United States by Taiwan officials. Now, Tsai addressed an event at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library, becoming the first president from Taiwan to have been invited there. And another first during Tsai's Los Angeles stopover was that journalists, including those from Taiwan who travelled with Tsai to the city, were allowed to follow her to all of the locations for public activities. Now, protocol had previously banned the media from accompanying Taiwan heads of state to events during transit stopovers in the US. And one such place where she had one of those transit stopover visits happened to be a branch of 85 degrees C coffee or cafe, whatever you want to call it. Now, that raised the iry feelings of Chinese netizens who accused the cafe chain of being a pro-Taiwan independence company. Now, the cafe issued a statement expressing support for the 1992 consensus and also said that it will continue to promote the peaceful development of cross-strait ties. However, 85 degrees C, well, its official website here in Taiwan remains down as we're recording this show because it was hacked on Thursday of this week and and despite its pledge to actually back the 1992 consensus, the cafe chain has been removed from several online food delivery service platforms in China, where it owns 589 regular chain stores. So, Chris, there we go. The media more interested in America than actual Paraguay and Belize. Well, is it America or is it uh, cross-strait tensions again, you know, and, and the whole uh, hurt Chinese feelings? Uh, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a new thing every week. You know, it's it's kind of a continuation of this airline thing, uh, with the uh, economic damage that was that was done to uh, 85C's parent company, which I think uh, lost 120 million US in uh, in stock uh, in shareholder value uh, yes, just yesterday, uh, because uh, the president signed a pillow uh, in a coffee shop in LA. Um, yeah, yeah, that was. Who knows what that could do, eh? Yeah. Be careful when you're signing pillows. So, well, Dimitri. Well, I still believe that businesses should stay away from political issues, and someone at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs made a big mistake in assuming that the visit would give media exposure to the president. 85 degrees C has many branches in China and Taiwan, so imagine that the Chinese president on a state visit to the US stopping at the same bakery store and chit chatting with local staff. Taiwan and China authorities have to solve their political issues on their own. And Taiwan media and the online community as a whole would be very unhappy to see the Chinese president stopping as a, as a, you know, as a Taiwanese business store. So 
we, I mean the public, the corporation, NGOs, we shouldn't have to side with one party, especially during an election year. And that's the reason why um, 85 degrees C is trying to do some damage control that creates more damage along the way, including their brand image, which is acting very regrettable. Of course, they have branches in other countries as well, Australia and the United States, of course, where she went. Yeah, well, um, my question is, you know, like, does this mean that Tsang Wen is just not allowed to go, you know, to go visit any companies anywhere? You know, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure how political it is going uh, to to an 85C. In in some ways, it, it came across, at least to me, uh, who I'm still fairly new to Taiwan. It just seemed like she was uh, showing a, a, a local a local company some uh, some you know some some love overseas uh but you know will she hesitate to visit other companies in the future will other companies uh reject her her potential visits in the future it's it's uh it just feels like uh more more kind of uh you know attempts by china to uh to silence uh to silence freedom of expression and and freedom of movement and the freedom to 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 be seen and Chinese netizens, of course. Yes. Now, who yes. are these Chinese netizens? Seeing as most of the people in China can't really get on the real internet, can they? That's true. That's true. Uh, but uh, they do. They do have. They do have an internet, and it's uh, it's 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 their own internet, and it's quite robust. And you know, all it takes is, uh, you know, they're they're watching what's going on with with Taiwan news, and if uh, if. Taiwan does something, you know, someone is going to see it every time. I think you have a point. I mean, the, the Taiwan president is free to visit any business during her travel uh, abroad, but their Ministry of Foreign Affairs is also free to make mistakes, and they should have anticipated that this move and this visit to this bakery store would have consequences for the local business. Now, 85C has a lot of does a lot of business in China, and they bring these funds back, and the, the headquarters are is in Taipei, so they should have carefully ponder this decision before making such a big move i see what you're saying but uh there's also you know where where does it stop with with china you know i mean like eventually you know if she visits if, if tsai visits uh los angeles the next time and people decide you know well why is los angeles you know hosting the president of taiwan you know are they are they showing uh you know support for taiwanese independence you know and, and then and then chinese people stop traveling to los angeles you know <laughs> like where, where does it stop yeah but i mean it, it could set a dangerous precedent, though, do you think, Chris? When Tsai might have to think twice about visiting any Taiwan company in another country. Well, yeah, that's 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 my point. I mean, it's and you know, it, it feels like this uh, this pressure campaign from China, from Chinese netizens, uh, from this kind of state uh, slash media slash uh, w- you know weaponized uh, uh, online public. You know, this campaign. You know, where where is it going to stop? I, I just I don't see where where it's going to stop. Because technically, she couldn't go out for a meal either. She went to a nice Chinese meal when she's abroad. Where does she go? Right. Some, someone's home. <laughs> yes. Who, who then gets death threats? You know? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, you got to get coffee somewhere. You know, what is, you know, if she went to Starbucks, you know, well, Chinese. I don't think Chinese people would uh, boycott Starbucks uh, over that. But uh, um, you never know. I mean, it's it's uh, it's just. You know, it's this is a this is a blatant attempt to uh, to further constrain uh, the the president of Taiwan and to uh, uh, further kind of um, uh, you know uh, erase. 
Taiwan's Taiwan's presence uh, abroad. But Dimitri, you made a point where maybe you should the Ministry of Foreign Affairs should check with businesses next time. I think they should carefully consider decisions like these. This is an election year, and they're all players in the game, including. Taiwan, China, the United States. Actually, they're all trying and moving around the status quo, but moving around and making moves, bold moves like these have consequences. Now we have 85C, who the company is is forced to make a statement on the one China policy. Now, does it mean that in the future, every business in China will have to make such kind of uh, bold statements? And so... Uh, yes, you're trying to give. I think that's where we're headed. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's uh, that's. Uh, I think this is an election year, and then every everybody should calm down and try to think twice before making statements like that. I mean, you can visit any places you want, but as soon as you, if you bring reporters to the event, I mean, they were they were they wanted media exposure, and they got it. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, um, what is it um, with with regard to? Uh, you know the boycott from China. You also have a boycott on the Taiwan side now, or at least a, a, you know some people are very upset that uh, that 85C caved and said, you know, we're all part of one one Chinese family or, or something to that extent. Uh, so it's it's really uh, it's really just been a disaster for, for sad, 85C. Sad, yeah, yeah, that a company had to do that. But of course, it does have 589 regular chain stores in China. So it was struck between a rock and a hard place, basically, though, yeah. I guess. Anyway, moving on, and women's rights groups held a silent protest in front of Japan's representative office in Taipei this week to commemorate International Comfort Women's Day, and that happened on Tuesday. Now, members of the Taipei Women's Rescue Foundation demanded that Japan apologise for its actions during the Second World War, which saw some 2,000 girls and women from Taiwan forced to work in brothels by the Imperial Japanese Army. Now, the protest in Taipei took place as the first monument commemorating comfort women in Taiwan was unveiled at a ceremony in Tainan. Now, the bronze statue was funded by the Women's Rescue Foundation with help from the KMT. And former President Ma Ying-jeou attended the unveiling ceremony where he called on Japan to apologise to and compensate the comfort women while also accusing the DPP of being too soft on the issue. But it didn't please everybody because Japan's chief cabinet secretary described the unveiling of the statue as being extremely regrettable and he says that he's now asked the Japan-Taiwan Exchange Association to express its concerns to the Thai administration. So Dimitri, a statue and a ceremony, of course the Women's Rescue Foundation has held this protest every year for many years but the statue is new, the first statue to remember comfort women in Tainan. Yeah but this is just a statue. I, I do understand that thousands of women across Taiwan were forced, forced into slavery during the war and the so-called comfort women deserve our, our support and respect. At the same time I think we should draw the line between Japan today and Japan before the war. The Japanese government set up the Asian Women's Fund and offered uh, compensation money and a letter of apology a long time of like 20 years ago. So even if many refused to accept payment on the grounds that the Japanese government's legal responsibility remain unaddressed, we shouldn't let the issue remain the source of tension between Taipei and Tokyo. And that's the reason why I'm not so enthusiastic about the protest. I think there was a protest in Taipei as well. So we should seek justice for the comfort women, but we cannot change the past and blame the Japanese government whenever we feel it's suitable. Well, it's hard not to see this as being a, a, 
a political you know it's 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 election time you know uh, in November and this feels uh, you know this is KMT funded uh, the former president uh, President Ma was was in attendance and he called on he called on Japan to apologize when in fact uh, uh, Koizumi Junichiro did apologize uh, it's uh uh, I think he was pressed by uh, Taiwanese reporters to say, you know, what what amount of apology is enough, uh, and he he wasn't very clear on that. Uh, it it really does feel like, uh, you know, I mean, I'm sh- I speaking speaking just in terms of uh, Ma's involvement. Uh, I think uh, I think this is an attempt to make uh, you know to to play play on Chinese identity. Uh, here in Taiwan, and nobody uh, nobody can defend uh, what happened with the comfort women. Of course, it, it's it's a, it's you know it's it's it was a tragedy, and uh, you know uh, there's there's no one that will stand up for for what happened. But uh, but uh, it it does it does feel like it's an attempt to make the DPP look sympathetic to uh, what uh, the uh, what the Japanese Imperial Army did during the Second World War when uh, when Taiwan was a colony of Japan. Um, it, it, was, it was in Tainan as well, which is of course the DPP heartland. Right, right. So, so where, where, who decided to put the statue there? I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, who makes these who makes these calls is a good question. It was on private land, though. Right. It was put on private land, and right. apparently, if someone I know who saw it said it looks rather temporary. Yeah, yeah. I, the the photo I saw it it, it didn't look like uh, a lot of uh, effort was put into it. It this this yeah I, I'm. <laughs> I'm skeptical uh, of of most of most uh, events here. I, I kind of tend to see everything through through political lenses, and especially uh, with this kind of thing, it's it's hard not to wonder uh, if you know if there's even some sort of uh, united front thing going on there. Yeah, I've, we'll never solve this. We'll, I don't think we can solve this issue anyway. It will take years, ages before uh, we can move on. But in the meantime, uh, we shouldn't bring old issues to address new ones today. And that's the way I see we use it in Taiwan and also in China. Whenever there is an, uh, a new issue about between Chinese between the Chinese and the and the Japanese government, they tend to bring all these all these old issues and tend to just to encourage this kind of nationalist sentiment uh, against uh, the Japanese. The Japanese. So, yeah. I guess it does. Like going back to what Chris said, I guess the KMT isn't a bit of a isn't a bit of a bind this election season. Obviously, by saying that it supports the comfort women, you know, it, it would like an apology, it would like compensation for the women. They were from Taiwan, but of course. The KMT is at the moment in a quandary because it can't jump up and down and say we can give you China. But everybody, <laughs> everybody supports the uh, comfort women. I don't. Yeah, you'd have to be a bit of a horrible person not to, really. Yeah, exactly. You know. So, but why playing this issue now? That's the question. Well, it, it, I just, I, it really feels like, uh, you know, a, a political play to, to. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the few things where the KMT can kind of, uh, you know, put its foot down and say, you know. Uh, this thing was wrong, and you know, it, it, no one's going to argue with with them on that. But uh, Japan did issue an apology, and uh, you know, there there are more 
there are more pressing matters, I think, for for Taiwan as a country than than getting another apology after apologies have already been made. Um, and it it just it just feels like feels like the KMT doesn't have that many cards left to play. And uh, and I I think uh, Ma Ying-jeou is just trying to uh, keep the party as relevant as possible. But there's he he has limited limited options. What was interesting, it made it made the front pages of the two pro KMT newspapers here in the week, and it didn't appear anywhere else. Right. Literally, I was in the office the day it happened in the studio with a TV in front of me, and I didn't see it there. It wasn't even covered. Right. There. So there we go. Anyway, we've recently talked about Jingmen's tapping into China water, or rather water from China coming through Jingmen's taps, or however you want to put that. Now, but the water pipeline happens to be only the first of what County Magistrate Chen Fu Hai hopes will be a series of plans for Jingmen that involve China. Other plans include the outlying island also getting electricity from China and even a bridge that will connect Xiamen to Jingmen. And Chris, you recently spoke with Chen about his plans for Jingmen and what did he say? Well, I was I was in Jingmen last week uh, and yeah, I, I, I met with uh, uh, Magistrate Chun and he... Uh, he he strikes me as someone who genuinely cares about about the people of Jinmen. Uh, you know, he's 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 putting Jinmen first, which is what you should do as as a local uh, local official. Uh, uh, you have to care about your constituency, uh, and they're in a very difficult position because they they don't receive uh, as much central government funding as other parts of Taiwan. They're quite far away, uh, kind of out of sight, out of mind situation uh, when it comes to the government here. And China's just right there. I mean, you can see it. It's it's a, a few minutes by boat uh, to get to Xiamen, or it's a one-hour flight, well, 45-minute flight to get to Taipei. Or a 50-minute swim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, he's proposing, you know, kind of echoing the uh, the Shaosantong, what is it, the, uh, the three the three mini links. Uh, he's echoing that with his new... Uh, three, they're called the three new links, uh, or the new three links. Uh, one of those, um, but but basically, uh, the first one, uh, I believe it was August fifth, uh, was the, was the water pipeline. Um, the next one that's planned, and this looks like it's more than likely to go through as well, um, is the uh, electricity coming over from from Xiamen, because it's they they have power generation in Xiamen or in Jinmen, but it's. Uh, it's more expensive than what it would cost to get to get power from China. Um, then there's the third one, which is a bridge from uh, from Jinmen to Xiamen, and that is that's where I mean a lot of local people that I spoke to that's that's where they start to get a little a little wary. Um, most most people didn't have most people didn't seem to mind the uh, the water or uh, electricity. Um, coming from China because in the at the end of the day they're buying it from China so it's just another form of trade but uh, when it comes to the bridge then it's like uh, you know what's how's that gonna work and the <laughs> the interesting thing about the the bridge is that it's uh, it's going to be connecting um, what is it uh, the north the northeast part of Jinman Island with uh, the new airport in uh, in Xiamen that's being built Right by, um, uh, right by Jinmen. So actually, uh, you, you've got a situation where China has gotten closer to uh, 
to to Gene Mun like physically closer, and uh, it's uh, you know it, it's it's hard not to feel like okay, you know, Gene Mun's going to be reliant for um, uh, reliant on on China for for water and electricity, and then uh, I, I have little doubt that if if the bridge ever happens, there will be an effort to uh, to boost to boost tourism as much as possible, and then it will become completely reliant economically on on china as well and you know where where does that go you know especially when you have like a, a land link um how, do, how does this play out how does this work i mean there's there's a military you know a military uh, taiwanese military presence on jinmun but <laughs> what you know what at what point do they become irrelevant i visit jinmun so many times and uh and these projects, the projects you mentioned earlier, they've been in the pipeline for years. It's not something yeah, 20 new. years. Yeah. So just, it's fine. It's just water. But what I don't like is we've seen comments and there was a, a, a statement released by the government earlier this year, this week, saying that they didn't want the Jinmen government to, um, they, they considered that the, the Jinmen government's move was kind of undermining the central government policies, which... I found kind of a bit uh, a bit weird. I um, I mean, the, I understand that the government didn't want the Chinese government to take the credit for uh, starting this project, but at the same time, I think it's was kind of sad that the Taiwan government didn't want to take the credit for it either. So it's obviously an improvement in cross-strait relations. So just. Just say it. Just go there. Go to the opening ceremony. Send the the, the, the your you know uh, whatever representative you want. But just send someone there and 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 use it because you should take credit for this. It's a good thing. It's a it shows improvement somehow in cross race relations. But like always in Thailand politics, authorities tend to postpone decisions instead of addressing issues. As we mentioned earlier, this is an election year, so talking to China. For some people, it's maybe it's not something they want to show, or they want to other people to know. I mean, uh, to 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 accept. So again, just a waste opportunity. Well, um, it, it, the optics might have been a little weird if if they had gone to the ceremony because uh, what's his name, uh, Leo Jie, uh, the uh, the director of the Taiwan Affairs Office, was, mm. was uh, on stage at the, at the ceremony. Does. <laughs> so you know, like uh, you know, if if you're if you're an incumbent KMT administration, you know that that might be a great opportunity to show that. You know, to beat the uh, you know we we managed cross trade relations better drum, um, but uh, I think from a Thai perspective, the, you know the Thai administration has been completely uh, you know ignored and basically bullied by by Beijing. They they have zero uh, willingness to speak with her, and they they just want her out and. Um, you know, by by attending, by sending a representative to something where you have the head of the TAO there as well, that that would definitely look weak to uh, a lot of a lot of green voters. I, I I think. But to you, who would be the most capable to manage cross-trace relation? Uh, it depends on what what the goal for cross-strait relations is. Uh, but, but to some people, they might consider that the KMT would become the KMT would be the most suitable party to handle cross-strait relations. But back in the 1970s, the Republican Party also was the most anti-China. But that was Nixon who 
you know, reach to the Chinese government. So in the end, it was the Republican Party who became the most capable party to handle, you know, the uh, Sino-American relations. So from this perspective, you could maybe we could say that maybe the DPP is the most suitable candidate to handle cross-race relations. But not doing anything, it's not maybe, uh, it's not helping them anyway. Yeah. Right, Chris, is there concern in Jingmen that maybe China, if it got a bit apathy with the obviously the central government, could turn the water off? That's, uh, you know, there, there were definitely some people saying that. Uh, some people... Some people in Jiman really aren't concerned, and they are, they, you know, they they told me they feel like they're, you know, already like, slight, they, they, you know, partially like uh, unified with China already. Um, other people, yeah, they were very concerned. They said, you know, like, okay, so if we're gonna, you know, they're worried that China's gonna say, well, you're drinking our water now, you need to do what we tell you. Um, so that's that's definitely a concern, and. Uh, but you know, there's there's no way that Taiwan can supply Jinmen with water, uh, and I I don't see other than through subsidies how it can make the uh, the power generation issue any better. But Jinmen, uh, there's you know they want to increase uh, tourism from China. That so that's that's put stress. Uh, it's kind of a uh, reinforcing self reinforcing cycle. Uh, the more Chinese tourists go there, the more water resources get depleted. But also Jinmen Gaoliang. Uh, the uh, uh, the sorghum liquor produced there, that that's that's the main source of income for Jinmen, and that you know that that is the main uh, user of water in, in Jinmen, and it's and it's owned by the government. So there's all these kind of like interconnected things. Uh, it's uh, it's a tr- it's a tricky it's a tricky situation. I mean, you know, it's it's historically it's not it's not really Taiwan. It's it's the you go there. You, that's where you feel like, okay, this is the Republic of China. You know, you're in Fujian Province, ROC. You're, you're not in something that's historically been known as Taiwan. So it's it's a it's a really complex issue, and and people there, everybody has a different opinion, and it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how things play out in the next few years. But the bridge, you don't think the bridge will materialize? Um, from I mean, it doesn't sound like the central government wants the bridge at all. It sounds like it sounds like the electricity is probably going to happen. Um, the bridge, I mean, you'd, if you're going to do something like that, you you, you better get it right because <laughs> because uh, it's uh, I mean, you know, China China wants to unite Taiwan with you know. They want to unify with with Taiwan, and uh, they they haven't uh, sworn off, you know, taking things by force. And if if all it, if all it takes is just driving across a bridge, you know, and then just you know being yeah, like, all right, never force someone to build a bridge. No, you well, can use the bridge for something else, but um, it'll be a road bridge or a yeah. pedestrian bridge. It'll be a road bridge, which seems yeah. a bit stupid because Jing is not very big, and why would you need to? take lots of traffic across to Jingmen. Well... Surely a pedestrian bridge would be much better, then people could walk across it. Right. And enjoy uh, the ambiance and the view. Well, and there's also there's also a cable car, uh, mm-hmm. like a, a sightseeing cable car uh, planned from Xiamen to uh, Little Jingmen Island, uh, which, you know, that, that feels... That feels like a kind of like you know a happy medium in between uh, in between a a, a, a car bridge, like amuse- a road bridge, a, and amusement arcade sort of ride. Yeah, yeah, rather something than a like big that. Political statement. 
Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, you know there's there's only so much traffic that can come over so quickly on on something like that. But uh, um, I you know I I just don't I don't see how uh, I I think I think it would be if you're going to do something like that you got to be very careful. Uh, Chun, uh, Magistrate Chun is all for the road bridge. Um, and he's he's using that. Uh, I mean, he he's up for re-election in November, and and he's you know he's uh, doubling down on that, and that's that's what that's what he he wants, and uh, and so it'll be interesting to see if if uh, if voters feel the same way. Right now, moving into some business news, U.S. smartphone chip maker Qualcomm reached a settlement with antitrust regulators here in Taiwan last Friday when we were actually recording the show. Now, that settlement reverses most of what was a whopping $773 million U.S. dollar fine. Now, that fine was imposed on Qualcomm in October of last year following an investigation into the company's business practices, and that investigation was launched in 2015. Now, the Fair Trade Commission found the company guilty of violating the Fair Trade Act by taking advantage of its monopoly status by directly or indirectly preventing other smartphone designers from competing in the Taiwan market. Now, based on the settlement, Qualcomm is now set to allocate 700 million US dollars to boost collaboration with local companies and investment in Taiwan over the next five years. A good deal for Qualcomm, some might argue, but others this week argued that it was maybe too big of a good deal for the US company. Three Control UN members who basically investigated the matter, said that they're looking into whether the Fair Trade Commission's decision was legal. Two former Fair Trade Commission members have criticised the FTC for not pressing ahead with the original fine, and local high-tech giant Asu Tech has called the settlement unacceptable, arguing that its business suffered because of Qualcomm's illegal practices. So, Dimitri, was it a good thing that the government, or the Fair Trade Commission says, don't have to pay all the fine in money, but you can invest it in Taiwan? Yeah, but I look forward to see the investment. Uh, replacing the penalty with conciliation is in the best interest of Taiwan's industrial sector, especially regarding the development of 5G. That's the government stance. Uh, Qualcomm has promised to provide fair, reasonable and discrimination-free patent authorization terms for Taiwanese chip suppliers. But why didn't, do, why didn't they do that before? The company also promised not to sign exclusive royalty discount deals with with buyers in exchange for them to use Qualcomm mobile data chips. So yes, potential. I mean, I see. I see the point in in settling this issue, but uh, we really need to look on this uh, over the next, you know, six months to one year to see really if if Qualcomm is going to comply. Well, it, it feels like a, a creative way of uh, of handling things uh, by the Fair Trade Commission. Um, you know. T- uh, Taiwan. I think there's there's definitely a um, a desire to attract more investment, and this is this is one way of guaranteeing investment. Uh, you know, levy a huge fine, and then and then say, well, you know, in, instead of that, uh, why don't you uh, why don't you invest it in in uh, in our country? Um, you know, will it create jobs? Will it uh, again? You know. Was this was this a political thing? Was this uh, aimed at uh, improving the eco- economy rather than enforcing the law? I'm I'm not really sure. Or maybe it was. Could, I thought maybe it could be a way of appeasing a U.S. company. Uh, there's there's also Basically, potentially you, you that. Don't want the money. Just invest in it. You know, keep your money and invest it here gradually. And pleasing the U.S. government at the same time. Right. 
But I mean, do you think other companies could get away with it now? Well, that's that's a good question. I mean, then uh, you know, then the attitude by U.S. companies might might in the future be like, well, we can do what we want. If uh, if if we get caught, then we'll just have to invest a little bit more in Taiwan. And of course, they're going to invest in a lot of things, Dimitri. Five G was one of them, apparently. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's been also in the pipeline for for. It's not going to happen tomorrow. Five G will be in Taiwan in a few years from now, maybe two to three years. So uh, that's why I'm said. That's what I'm saying. You need to see and and follow on this issue over the next six months to one year to really find out are they going to invest in Taiwan and what impact will it have on the job market. Right. Optimistic or not optimistic? Um, cautiously optimistic. <laughs> optimistic so far. Right. Anyway, now talking of optimism, there's great optimism about electric scooters taking over the roads here because the Ministry of Economic Affairs this week said it plans to provide additional funding to a subsidy program which basically gives money to people who buy electric scooters. Now, officials say the move is aimed at encouraging more people to replace their gasoline-powered scooters with electric models. Now, according to the Ministry, only 20 million NT of 440 million NT, which was budgeted, budgeted rather, to subsidise electric scooter purchases this year is left and that now has to be supplemented by additional funding now the additional funding which i find quite ironic really will come from subsidies being given to electric vehicle manufacturers to set up battery charging stations which is quite ironic they're going to give more more people money to buy electric scooters and then take away money from people that need to set up battery places but we'll get to that in a minute now the ministry also says that electric scooter subsidies have been used up more quickly of course and apparently more than 40,000 license plates were issued for electric scooters so far this year and 18,000 of those licenses were issued during the same time of last year so that's double the amount of electric scooters so electric scooters are obviously becoming more popular which is good for all of us because we like to breathe but my question is still dimitri if you're taking away money for people to put up battery stations to give to people to buy electric bikes surely you're going to end up with not enough battery stations exactly that's total nonsense because you can receive up to ten thousand and dollar if you when you purchase a new electric scooter but after buying it you won't be able to find a station to you know for battery swap so i don't i mean they've 95% of the budget was spent in less than eight months. They should have seen it coming. But uh, the way they're going to supplement this uh, this budget is, is doesn't make any sense at all. Now, there are really g- good reasons to be confused by this announcement, especially for these domestic brands like Kimco and, and other uh, good Taiwanese brands who have invested a lot, spent the last three years in planning the release of their first series of uh, electric scooters and they end up with no charging station. So uh, I hope that maybe the government considers new options in in supporting those uh, manufacturers now so that they can install those stations so that they will have the growth and enough sales to support the factories next year and the year after. That was Kimco you were talking about, yeah? Yes. Where were they, were they going to put stations at garages here? Um, Kimco... Uh, they were these guys were kind of smart because the Kimco system uh, they use both the the swapping uh, battery system, but at the same time you can charge your uh, motorcycle at home. 
So f for them, uh, there is still potential. But there is another issue uh, as well that we've seen uh, the electricity consumption going to the roof over the last few months. So as I mentioned uh, earlier, if you have thousands and thousands of users charging their, you know, their motorcycle at night, we're going to have a blackout again in the middle of the night. So uh, the government, I think, obviously didn't really plan uh, these uh, uh, new measures and the, the development of electric scooters in Taiwan, which is a which is a pity. Because Gogoro, you can't charge at home, no, no, no. You have to go. You have to go to one of their battery stations yeah. and switch the batteries. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I often that was a bit odd. You buy a motorbike for a lot of money, eighty thousand NT, and you got to go to. What happens if it runs out of power when you're at home? You got to push it to the battery exchange place. Um, I think they've. I think they've thought about that. Uh, there's definitely plenty of uh, plenty of uh, power stations or battery swap stations around around the city uh, and around many cities. But uh, there's an you know there's an app that that basically like lets you know. You know how you know, you can look on your phone, and you you'll be you'll be warned when you're when you're running low, and it'll tell you it'll tell you it'll tell you where the closest station is. You can even reserve uh, batteries at that station. So it's it's uh, uh, you know it's it's a tricky problem, but I, th I think they've they've handled it fairly well. Um, but uh, but yeah, the, in, I, I totally agree with Dimitri. You know, like uh, this the the grid. You know the, the the power grid here in Taiwan. You know, is it is it is it ready for for everyone going electric? You know, if it if 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 scooter sales if electric scooter sales double again next year, mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> what's going to happen? And then and then there's the matter of uh, battery swapping stations. You know, is it is it is it ideal to have you know Kimco battery swapping stations and then GoGrow battery swapping stations? You know, if if there was some sort of like industry standard that could be agreed upon or something like that where um there were negotiations earlier this year between the government and some manufacturers but oh, really? it didn't work out right right yeah yeah, so yeah. i mean it, that's that's unfortunate because mm -hmm. because it, it just it feels like a waste of resources and space to uh to have you know uh, uh, you know i can't take the batteries at this station i got to go to another station you you'd have so much more coverage uh, you'd have much better coverage and avoid the well, problem that you were just well, talking about. It could be counterproductive. Right. Taiwan wants to get rid of all its gas-guzzling scooters and go electric. There should be a standard, surely. Then everyone, it doesn't matter what brand of electric scooter you buy, you can just go to get any battery from anywhere. Right. Yeah, but that's, um, that's not how things are developing here. Yeah, the uh, state-owned CBC gas stations, uh, they've been planning, they've planned around uh, to set up 1,000 battery ch charging stations in the coming five years in Taiwan. And they will only, maybe not anymore, but only have 160 stations ready by the end of the year. So, obviously... Uh, the manufacturers manufacturers are way ahead of the market, and they need support from the government to to further develop the uh, the electric scooter market, which is something we really need in Taiwan. Yes. Have you ridden one electric scooter? Uh, I have not. I've tried the the Kimco one. is amazing, amazing, smooth, high quality product. But you can't hear it. Yeah, they they even have the Gogo the Gogoro is slightly different. They don't have this. Uh, there is a slight beep sound on in the uh, Ionex series. So at, at low speed, you have uh, this uh, beep sound that warns you know uh, people around. So I found it very nice. Anyway, before we go this week, Taiwan has sent its largest team ever to the Asian Games, consisting of some 588 athletes. 
Now, most of the team arrived in Jakarta on Thursday of this week, ahead of Saturday's or tomorrow's opening ceremony, which will take place at the Gelora Bankano Stadium. Now, Taiwanese athletes will be competing in 36 of the 40 sporting events in Jakarta, and that includes the new electronic sporting events, which apparently being included as a demonstration sport, and I use that word very loosely, at the Asian Games for the first time this year. Now, Taiwan is seen as having the potential to win gold medals in tennis, badminton, weightlifting, taekwondo and swimming. Now, if you're interested, Taiwan won 10 gold, 18 silver and 23 bronze medals at the last Asian Games, which took place in 2014 in Incheon, South Korea. And Taiwan finished ninth in the overall medals table there. So, Chris, are you, will you be watching the Asian Games or will you be glued to the television watching the Asian Games? Or was the World Cup all too much for you this year already? <laughs> Still recovering from the World Cup. Um, yeah, uh, I would say, you know, sp- sport is one of the ways... It's, it's one of the only ways that, that Taiwanese uh, can get uh, international exposure and, and Taiwan Taiwanese athletes are really representing Taiwan well recently the university ad being a great example um, I think they you know this is uh, it's 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 gonna it, I think they'll put in a strong performance and you know all the people who performed at the or participate in the university ad they're gonna be in the Asian games not all of them but uh, many of the same people many of these people will go on to Tokyo in 2020 and uh, you know maybe maybe in 2020 people watching the Olympics will be like Wow, this this Chinese Taipei. Who, wh- where's <laughs> who are these people? You know, <laughs> I've never heard of this country. Um, but uh, I mean, even even with the uh, the the unfortunate name that the IOC uh, forces Taiwan to uh, compete under, uh, according to an agreement that uh, the Republic of China government signed uh, back in the day. Um, you know, any exposure, any positive exposure for for Taiwan, I think, is is welcome at this point. So, I think I think the athletes, you know, they they they're going to put in their their best efforts, and uh, I'm I'm sure they'll they'll put in a solid performance. Yeah, hooray for Chinese Taipei! I'm 100 <laughs> percent behind them. Uh, the last year, university were just was a huge success mm. in terms of uh, the athletes performed pretty well, but also th- there was a public support. They were thrilled by seeing their athletes competing against other athletes in the region. So I'm 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 confident about the interest, the public interest for the upcoming Asian A- Asia Games. So uh, we'll we'll see a lot of very interesting competitions, very uh, nice athletes. So I think it's all benefit for Chinese Taipei, Taiwan, the Republic of China, whatever. And the electronic sports events. There you go. What about them? What do you think of them, then, Chris? Electronic sports, video I- games in, in video games in a sort of Olympic type of venue. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't. I don't want to. Uh, sound like too much of a grumpy old man, but uh, I, you know, when I when I was growing up, uh, sport was something that involved you, you know, um, moving. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, I I just I find uh, I find electronic sports uh, to be a, a, a whole different ball game. Uh, I, I don't uh, I don't I don't see. But you know, on the other hand, if 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 it's another way to. Uh, uh, to generate enthusiasm for an event, I mean, at the end of the day, these events are, are you know, they're they're trying to get as many people to uh, care and pay attention as possible. So this is uh, definitely a way to appeal to 
to younger people who might not be so into uh, watching basketball or baseball? I wasn't that thrilled about the um, uh, computer game stuff, but I attended Computex earlier this year, and there were there were some uh, games and shows, and it was really exciting, and we saw a lot of people cheering, and uh, I think it was very interesting, especially for uh, younger people. So yes, why not? We we should try uh, new things, and uh, and and what I thought is interesting about these games is that some of the brands, the computers, the games. They're also made in Taiwan, so maybe it's also a way to right. give more exposure to uh, this tiny island. It's yeah. a bit odd, though. Yeah, I mean, he's the commentator. And here he comes. He's, he's, and he's sat on the armchair, ready to begin the event. <laughs> well, I, you know, I had kind of a... Uh uh, a uh, the future is here kind of moment recently. Uh, I was I was at uh, a friend's pub, and uh, instead of having a, um, a usually the television's off there, but they had the the television on, and instead of like playing the World Cup or whatever, it was uh, it was an esports tournament, and that was that was the first time I had ever been been in a public place that would you know instead of showing a uh, quote unquote normal sporting event, uh, they they showed an e e-sporting event uh, and yeah I mean sure why not <laughs> it is a bit odd though yeah it, I, it, it, <laughs> it made me it made me feel like uh, yeah yeah that it made me feel a little bit older okay I feel old but whatever <laughs> it's too late <laughs> anyway that's where we'll leave it here this week here on Taiwan This Week and I've been joined in the studio today by Chris Horton Thank you, Gap. And Dimitri Buras. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of Taiwan This Week here on ICRT with me, Gavin Phipps. And don't forget to check out Taiwan This Week podcasts on iTunes and Android podcast apps where you can get access to all our previous shows. Tune in again next Friday evening at 8.30 for another informative look at the top stories of the week with Taiwan This Week. And don't forget to also check out our podcast on our website, icrt.com.tw. Now keep it here for more music and news only on ICRT FM 100.